Hello and welcome to Big Business Briefs with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. And this week we're going to start the podcast by talking about something that was actually in the news as I was driving here. Yeah. I thought, oh. See, we're topical, aren't we're we? so topical. Um, and, and I think um, we thought about this last week. So yeah. we're, we're beyond topical, aren't we? It's always like we've got a crystal ball. <laughs> we're talking about John Lewis. And uh, they've been in the news today because they've reinsta- reinstated their uh, staff bonus, which they'd stopped last year. And also um, their CEO has been talking about um, the expectation of price rises and, and what they've referred to as permanent inflation. Mm. Yeah, but last week we wanted to look at it because they were getting rid of their strap line, weren't they? Yes, never knowingly undersold. Yeah, which I never really liked anyway. No, but it was. I think what was interesting is that it it's been part of their their branding for so long that basically, and hey, given the news today about you know continuing inflation and con- and, constant and their expectations, inflation, yeah, yeah. Um, they probably realised that they can no longer make that claim. It's a um, path to ruin for them. Yeah, because they yeah. can no longer afford to make that claim. Uh, but but I remember my husband mentioned it and I thought, wow, that's a really brave thing to do, actually. Because if that was your USP, yeah. you've basically just shelved it. Did you think of it as John Lewis's USP, though, you, personally? Did well, it mean something to you? I think there was a time when it did. Yeah. I mean, I think it pro- it it, well, it obviously is outdated, but um, beca- because before the days of the internet, where you could, if you wanted to buy an appliance, for argument's sake, you know, you would look at your usuals, wouldn't you? Like the Currys and the Comets and John Lewis and mustn't bang the desk. Comets and the chorus. And, uh, she's just pu- punching the air now. now as she's talking. Yes. My punctuation. I can't <laughs> not use my hands. Um, it, it was harder to find out whether they would be. Oh, so they would say we, we're not going to be. I'm not saying that they that it was dodgier it, in any yeah, way. It's not a lie, but it was harder to prove. Yeah, now and we actually, can and yeah. find, and you can always find something cheaper, can't you? So yeah. that's a very yeah. hard thing to live up yeah. to. And then it's like, okay, so if you you get into the whole, well, if you bought it from John Lewis, how much do they charge for delivery? Versus if you bought it from Curry's, how much do they charge for delivery? Oh, and God. then the overall, you know, and all of that stuff. Whereas once upon a time, it was just like, if you want to buy this TV, if you can find it cheaper anywhere else, you can go into John Lewis if you've got one yeah. anywhere near you physically the building rather than the interweb in those days yeah and you can say i can get this from curry's for 499 pounds and you're selling it for 529 so can you match it yeah but i think things have changed fair enough i mean one of the things that always stood out for me with with john lewis and maybe it's because i've been interested in business since forever yeah it is the um the business structure it's, it's a partnership mm, isn't it so yeah. the john lewis partnership is the thing that made it unique for me not the pricing structure yes but maybe i'm just coming from a position where i didn't need to be thinking about the cheapest item and that said i didn't i wasn't a loyal customer of john lewis because of the partnership it just made me interested yeah. so i guess john lewis partnership are overly grateful that maybe I didn't spend all my money with them 
But I was just vaguely interested in the fact that they were a partnership. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that the, the partnership model is something that has made them really interesting. Of course, we have to remember that... Was there a John Lewis in Stoke when you were... We had a Lewis's... Department store. Yeah, I always used to get them confused when I was yeah. little. I so really, it was a lot no, of we didn't us have a didn't John have Lewis the shop. option of no. a John Lewis. No. So it wasn't even a thing. And, you know, but... Um, but for those people for whom it was important. So I think the business model was the most important, the most interesting thing. But I just think that the story about removing your strap line for any business, you don't, it's not something you do overnight. Yeah. And, and I, I just thought it was really interesting that they'd actually done it. That's good. The other thing that is good that I'm reading is, as well as reinstating the staff bonus, yep. um, they're also pledging to pay the real living wage. Yes. Now, that is interesting in that I was doing a bit of research into this recently for an organisation that I'm involved with because the minimum wage and the living wage... Oh, there's so many different definitions. But they, they're basically the same thing or they're going to be the same thing. So if you pay minimum wage, right, I think, I don't know when it changes, but if you pay minimum wage, yeah, right, and you go, okay, I don't want to pay minimum wage, I want to pay uh, the real living wage, okay, or the living wage, yeah, um, that was would be perceived as being a generous thing, but now actually they're the same amount of money. So the living wage is the minimum wage? It, yes, effectively, yes. Now, the real living wage, that is where it's it's calculated from a totally different thing. Yeah. Um, so, and I mean, so we I think looked at this several aged, years yes, ago, didn't yeah, we? Yeah. Maybe it's time for us to, to go Revisit back to it. that, yeah, because I yeah. think the definitions, maybe they're designed to be confusing because the minimum wage actually isn't called the minimum wage anymore, is it? Well, so... Whether it's now or whether it's in the future, because we, an organisation I was involved with, I said, okay, well, instead of us looking at, you know, different pay scales, etc., let's look at what it would be like, how much it would cost us to pay the living wage rather than the national minimum wage. Yeah. And we got to a point where from April or from whenever, it won't, it won't make any difference because it's the same thing. Okay. So there's some change. Okay, we'll look anyway, at it. Anyway, sorry, again. yeah, go back. We'll come to back to it. Yeah, so, um, yeah. I think there's there's a lot of change. Um, according to Dame Sharon, who is the chairperson of John Lewis Partnership, uh, she's not the CEO. Sorry, um, they're um, working on a five year turnaround to become more lean, simple, and more productive. And apparently that's already underway and it is on track. So all of this changing um, their never-knowingly undersold pledge and, and yeah. sort of approaching their business model in a different way, hopefully is part of making sure that, the you know, it's going to be around for another 100 years. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, the, the Waitrose bit of the, of the business, of the partnership, um there was some information today in the Guardian building on this um the story about the reinstating the bonuses. But that they're saying that sales at Waitrose stores rose one percent. So sales rose one percent, but the offer operating profit sank eleven percent. 
So yeah, getting more people in, but they muck their prices. Yeah, so must have been according down. to this article, so I'm reading from the Telegraph now. Um, it says that the um, supply chain issues, which so many yeah. um, companies have had, and rising costs associated with the lockdowns and the supply chain issues. So yeah, selling more and making less of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but again, it's it's a case of, you know, where can you access? Not everybody's got a Waitrose. Although, um, I don't know where our nearest Waitrose is now because the one in Shrewsbury shut down. But um, but we can have Waitrose delivered to our house. Mm-hmm. So can I. Yeah, but there and isn't I a Waitrose. Done- yes, and it's nice, isn't it? Uh, but there isn't a Waitrose store, so it's all done Chester. out of... Is, is that the nearest one? Yeah. Right, Okay. I don't know for certain. No, but I, I thought that was quite interesting in that um, it never even occurred to me that I could have Waitrose delivered, <laughs> even though I'm a million miles away from a Waitrose. Waitrose profit suddenly goes through the roof. Yeah, yeah, especially <laughs> on wine. Right then, so now we're going to talk about um, a TED Talk or two. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing with TED Talks, isn't it? Yeah. You end up... One is never enough, is never it? quite enough. So... Um, we decided we were going to have a listen to, to to watch TED Talk by Regina Hartley. She's a human resources expert. And the subject is why the best hire might not have the perfect resume if you're in the UK. She means CV. Um, and um, it goes along the lines of given the perfect, uh, given the choice between a job candidate with a perfect resume and one who has fought through difficulty, and then this speaker says, give the scrapper a chance. Yeah. So she, she um, differentiates between uh, this thing called the scrapper yeah. and the silver spoon, the the one. And, and I think that comparison was a little bit unfair because not everybody who has success and consistency on their CV had a silver spoon. So she defines it as somebody who clearly had advantages and was destined for success. Yes. I can get that. But not everybody who has a silver spoon had advantages. It just, you know, they've got the success and the consistency. And not everybody who's um, been a scrapper has also got, um, you know, is actually worth employing. But actually, the talk yeah, is really good. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's the talk's entertaining. But I, and, I, and the point that she, as the title suggests, is that, you know, on the face of it, you might reject somebody who looks to have had you know who didn't didn't necessarily go to university or certainly didn't go to you know some of the the more serious universities for one of a better word I mean it's in America so she's talking about sort of Ivy League universities but um what she's suggesting is don't discard somebody because they look like they've had quite a few jobs you know, and they came from the wrong side of the tracks and all of those yeah. types of things now, I've got a good example um some recruitment have done and how it's changed over the last five years is that you used to look at a CV um, and if somebody had had, uh, I'm sort of talking like operator level, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if somebody had had a good block of service in one company yeah. and, and then they'd moved on to another company and had a good block of service, you go, oh, good, reliable, mm-hmm. dependable. And sometimes you'd have a red flag with somebody who's like done six months here and less than a year there and, you know, yeah. odd jobs all around the place. Yet you look at them now and you realise how much the labour market has changed and, and recognise that actually 
not not all people have got the ability to stay in a job for a big chunk of time. Maybe the company isn't offering permanent jobs. So many companies around here only do temp um, hires. Yeah, or or temp to perm, or, or, you know, not everybody gets there. So I think the labour market has sort of changed to people who have to take whatever temp job comes along. So their CV then quite naturally looks a bit bitty. And then, to be fair, you look at my CV and I look like I've been scrapping all over the place. Well, and that's why it's called a a scrapper, because she talks about it looking like, you know, a a quilt, you know, a patchwork quilt. Um, And mine is a bit like that. But I think the the really important point is that... um, the example that you've just used, when I'm looking at a CV now, so once upon a time, absolutely, that would be, yeah, solid, reliable, you know, obviously, you know, no issues around interaction with other people, etc., etc. But now, if I see that somebody's worked in a company for 10 years, I start thinking, maybe a bit institutionalised, because that's actually quite a long time now. <laughs> yeah. to so, well, the somewhere. other question that I then get is, so why are you moving now? Yeah. Because the job market is so unstable. Yeah. Why you're jumping from a yeah. ten-year job in a what would appear to be a good company? There's yeah. a story yeah. behind that. Yeah. It's not always a negative story. Sometimes it's a perfectly good story. Mm. But don't try and bullshit me. I want to know yeah. the real story the real why you're, yeah. you're leaving that one. Yeah. yeah. But, but to go back to this sort of scrapper, and actually, it turns out she was a scrapper. And and you know, we have in my family, we have a little bit of this in that you know, my folks had no money. My older brother got a scholarship. Um, went to Oxford. Um, so he was not a silver spooner. Yeah. Yet he did achieve mass you know, great things because he got his head down and he, he got stuck into things. Yeah, so you'd look at his C V and you'd perhaps assume he's come from an advantaged background. Yes, but he, he definitely hasn't. And of course, you know, he's he's in his fifties now, so where he was born and where, you know, where he lived is not relevant anymore. No. It's you know so much. Water it would take a little, bridge. a little bit of uh, espionage to find out all those yes. things, would it? Yeah, yeah. Totally. And if you're doing that, then you're a bit weird. Yeah, and you don't. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't want to work for you anyway. Um, but the other thing that she talks about is um, how the she 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 goes on to talk quite a lot. And weirdly, I was listening to the TED talk in the car rather than watching it, and. She said something, and I thought this sounds a little bit like you know the whole. If you're an entrepreneur, you're more likely to be um, dyslexic. You know, an increase. Yeah. And then she goes on to talk about Steve Jobs. Yeah. And she said, you know, she used the example of you know, would you go for somebody who didn't go to university, bummed around in India for a little while, got you know, got a job as a in a coffee shop or you know whatever, and uses these. And she said, and it turns out to be Steve Jobs. So on the on paper. Not an ideal candidate. Not interesting. Would you want to give Steve Jobs a job? Because he's very he was a very successful entrepreneur and founder and businessman. Yeah. Would he be a great employee? One wonders. No, not no, not but no, not in that. But I think she's talking about before he was. Yeah. However, he did get sacked from the company that he set up, didn't he? That's quite something. Good point. Yes. To, so, <laughs> but no, I. I wouldn't want to employ Steve Jobs uh, because he, he was probably unemployable. Uh, but in those early days, you know, he didn't yeah. appear to be a great achiever and yet, you know, ended up establishing one of the largest um, 
corporations in the in the world, most yeah. successful corporations in the world. Let's get back to Silver Spoon then. So yes. um, I made a note of one thing she said, and I I, I get this. Um, it, it's a bit sweeping generalisation again, assuming that everybody who goes to an elite university, yeah has been engineered towards success. But let's say that you are in that category. She does say, yes, getting into and graduating from an elite university takes a lot of hard work and sacrifice. Yes. And in your brother's case, it takes an element of uh, hard work to actually get yourself the scholarship as yeah. well, doesn't it? And yeah. some element of luck in there probably as well. You know, in just... Yeah. Yeah, you know, be in the right place, the right time, with the right resume, and yeah. etc. However, she just say if your whole life has been engineered towards success, how will you handle the tough times? Now, I don't think yeah. you can assume that everybody just because they are successful and it appears that um, they they had a silver spoon. I don't think you can assume they've never had tough times because we don't know everybody's story, no, do they? No. So I think it's a little unfair to say that somebody with a scrappy CV. They've known tough times, so they'll know how to handle tough times. And somebody with a a clear trajectory, the where they've they've headed towards success yes. on their CV, yeah, yeah. has never known tough times because you don't know the whole person. Well, it, it it's the definition of tough times, isn't it? Yeah. Because actually, sacrificing going out with your mates in order to study and study and study and study, that takes its toll in some way, shape, or form, doesn't it? Yeah. So anyway, but I, I get the other point is that if if you uh, right at the beginning, your whole life has been defined as being destined for failure, and then what happens when you actually succeed if everybody expected you to fail? So I sort of get that point as well. Um, so I wasn't wholeheartedly um, behind the talk. I thought it was very interesting though, and I think you should listen to it just to make your own mind upon it. Um, but we did mention that a second talk. So I was watching the talk and this one popped up on the right hand side yeah. and said, people who listen to this also like listen this. to this. And your experience, Heather, you were driving and it was just playing and it, it just, just went on to the next one. Yeah. Okay. So this one is a talk from Susan Colantuono from November 2013 and it's called The Career Advice You Probably didn't get so i take it you didn't see the graphics used as you were driving i hope you didn't no no i did not so what did you take from it listening in the car well to be honest i only i only started listening to the first bit because then i had to get out of the car but it but again it was that whole it started off with um you know 50 so it started she was talking if i if i understand correctly she was talking about how many what percentage of women are senior managers and then, and that's like 50%. And then it's only a third make it to sort of board direct, you know, the top of the tree. And, and, and so she was talking about that. But I, but then as I say, I kind of have to get out of the car <laughs> to come and record the podcast. Maybe. <laughs> no, actually, I had to go. Um, I had to go and get my car from the garage because it had been serviced, having been driving an electric car today. Oh, did First you like time it? time ever. It was very strange. It was very strange. Um, I didn't dislike it, but it was strange. But you drive one all the time. So. And now driving a car that isn't electric is really Feels strange. really weird, yes. Anyway. And I stole the car many times, but there we anyway, go. Anyway, yeah, there yeah, we go. So let's get back to the talk. Yeah. Um, the career advice you probably didn't get. And I, I thought this one had, had got a few takeaways from it, which 
although it was aimed at women, she says at the beginning it's aimed at women, um, that there are learnings in here for both men and women. Mm-hmm. And the main difference being between the men and the women is the advice that they get um as you know, as they're making it and they get to that middle management stage and you know, as as they're becoming managers, is to focus on some other skills apart from um using the greatness in you, engaging the greatness in others, engaging, um, being confident, setting goals, being assertive, self-promotion, all of those things that people feel that women need to do. But actually, I think you'll find women are generally very good at this. So they're the things you need to tell men about more often than women. Because I do think that women... And I'm sweeping generalisation. I do apologise, but all Many of the women, women. Yeah. all of the women that I know and love, are very good at those things. Okay. So yeah. it might be a generalisation, but I know a lot of good women. That said, there's a lot of women that I know that also pay attention to this. And the bit that that, that she says is missing in the, in the management training of men and women is the need to study business finance strategy and to develop that as a skill. Yeah. And she, I, I don't think it's like done on purpose to miss women out. It's more sort of that's the unspoken skill that you know they have, it hasn't been pointed out for them. Um, well, it's a little bit it goes back to what we were talking about last week about power skills or soft skills. You know, so I'm so, not calling them soft skills. No, I, no, I know. But let's but, have the power skills. Exactly, the, those power skills. But it's a similar sort of thing, isn't it? You've um, women have a sort of propensity towards those types of that sort of nurturing side of things but the more binary two plus two is four and do this and do that and don't do the other isn't always yeah as sort of innate so it needs to be learned perhaps more or studied more to to tap into it i think that's i think so and and if you um if that is one of the keys to advancement the knowing that business and appreciating the strategic and financial side of management, then the fact that it's been missed out is just basically means that the message isn't going through, or maybe it's assumed that you know this. Um, and, and I've got an example where I was involved in teaching on a, a professional qualification many years ago now, um, and the I was teaching sort of mathsy finance statistics everybody hates statistics mostly mm-hmm. <laughs> um I, I quite like them they're quite useful but there we go um, and I was teaching this to a group of professionals and you could tell who was going to go on and have strong careers because they paid attention to the business so side of, of it yeah, yeah and then the numbers it's not the be all and end all because obviously all of the other stuff they were learning but I think there was a link the people who saw that it was quite important to understand how a budget works mm. you know how many managers don't know how to actually read a budget yet get given a budget yeah, to deal yeah. with and then how to use those figures to actually get the the sense of the business strategy as well yeah. as or you know, engaging people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I I noticed that strong link, but I would say that, wouldn't I? Because I was teaching that subject. So I suppose I would say only the people who did well in my subject. But it's not even that did well; it's the people who thought it was an important subject to learn. Yeah, and 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 that's about having that broad, you know, the wider view, yeah. isn't it? I don't think you have to be brilliant at it, but if you don't think that 
strategy and finances, etc., and, and everything in that realm is relevant to you, that's, I do think that's a big gap. Really so maybe the learning is more about this is important. You can you can learn about it and you don't have to be brilliant at it, but I do think you need to appreciate that it's a value. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, there is a big gap. So, I mean, I, going back to what you were saying about, you know, women having to focus on that more, uh, not, yeah. Yeah, that's essentially what Susan says yes. in the talk. But I wonder if it's a bit of a throwback. I mean, this is from 2013, so it's nine yeah. years old. But, you know, are we emerging, um, or hopefully have emerged from a time when, well, women wouldn't understand it, so there's no point teaching it to them. <laughs> you, you Good do. God, I, I do hope we've moved well beyond yeah, that. Yeah, but, but, yeah. but you're not always we're That's still the suffering the legacy of it. Yeah. I think hopefully we're, we're moving it, well, we're from it. Too many years ago, from that, you know, women aren't, aren't going to read. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> not have an opinion them. Yeah, on so. something. So I wonder whether there is something historically. Yeah, you, you, that, do, the, you do the HR. Yeah, things. you do the peoply bit. And we'll be in the in the boiler room working out the numbers. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just wonder whether you know that's. Yeah, to be fair, I say it's uh, long gone, but it's very still very clear in my mind from my early career. Yeah, yeah, and and if we're thinking about um, women progressing to senior um, roles with board level roles, that often doesn't happen overnight unless you've set up a company or. It, also, don't you think it's true that it, even now, for women to be seen as being exceptional, they have to be better than men? So Yeah, the they, male equivalent. Yeah, the male parts. equivalent. Yeah. So, you know, the woman might have the same business acumen as the male equivalent, Yeah, but she's got somehow got to demonstrate that more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and not be, and not be scary. And not be bullshit and not be yeah it's an impossible task isn't it yeah yeah can't be bossy can you no <laughs> you're quite bossy anymore call it assertive no, that's we? dreadful isn't it yeah so I, I think that expectations for um for women in business are still pretty awful um but i think if you want to um focus on an area that needs developing then you know susan is right Make sure you know how the numbers all work. Yeah. You don't have to be an accountant to know how the numbers work. And there's loads of good courses on understanding the figures. You know, finance for non-finance managers is a really yeah. good. There's loads of them around and it's really worth doing. Just so at least you've got a, an understanding. And you, if nothing else, you're not getting baffled by the accountants. Yeah, no, just knowing that that is a significant part of a business and broadly knowing how it all hangs together from a generalist point of view, you have a specialist who will deal with it. Yeah. So we okay. started off that by, by um, talking about a, a TED talk <laughs> about, about um, not Silver underestimating. Silver spoons and scrappers. Yeah. What was the TED talk called? Remind it me. It was called Don't... Why the Best Hire Might Not Have the Perfect Resume by Regina Hartley. And then the one that we ended up talking about was the career advice you probably didn't get by Susan Colantuono. And then we've got a little treat for you. I say treat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For our profile section this week, we thought that the perfect um, organisation and people to profile were ourselves. Yeah. 
that's quite well, we've, narcissistic, isn't it? Well, we, we've been recognising over the last many weeks that we haven't got a suitable outro. And mm. when we, I was listening to another podcast, not a competitor, just another podcast last night, and I heard their um, advert, a trailer for their podcast and thought, oh, we used to do them, we have done them, yes. and we haven't done one for ages. No. Um, even what? when we rebranded last year, we talked a little bit about ourselves, but I don't think we'd really grown into the new branding, had we, by then? We weren't owning them big knickers, were we? No, I'm definitely... We were trying com- them on for yeah, size. I'm comfortable <laughs> in the big business briefs now. And so we just thought we'd talk a little bit in this um, final third of the podcast about the podcast and where it's come from and who we are and why you should carry on listening. And maybe we'll even come up with a decent outro. We might not do. We might not. We might not. But... Actually, we've got quite a few years under our belt because obviously it started off as a radio, yeah, a community radio um, programme. Yeah. We had music and everything in them days. We did, yeah. And we had very strict time um, structure that we worked to, which uh, now, um, dear listener, I'm sure you're probably thinking, I wish you had a strict time (laughs) to stick to. And we'd, we'd start on the hour and we'd have a quarter hour slot and another quarter hour, then another quarter hour. And then we just ease into the news. Yeah, and we had to play music on those quarter hours, really, didn't we? Yeah, and a little bit in between. Yeah. So whereas now we just talk for the whole damn time. Do you remember when we wondered whether we could do that? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we started off and there's double figures in as long as I've been doing radio show now. So it's it's I did that for nine years. Right, yeah. Um, and we've had this podcast then for... Five years now, Heather, is it? Is it four mm, years? It's four, four years. years, I think. Yes. Yes. I'm, not, I'm not that great with maths. <laughs> yeah. Well, you used to do a radio show on your own. I did. A business show. I used to do a radio show on my own um, that wasn't around business. But then we started doing the show, the radio show together and then we turned it into a podcast. That's right. Yeah. And... You started your radio show, as, as a few people who did, who were guests of my business show, I used to lure them in, like, come, yeah. and, come and talk on my show, and then there'd be another door for exit, which was, come and present your own show. Yes, yeah, well, now you're in here, it's like yeah. Mr. Ben's um, yeah. dressing room. Yeah. yeah, so lure you in, you like talking, do you? Yeah. You're like, oh, excellent, yeah. now Go in produce there. your own show. Yeah. Seemed to work with quite a few people, actually. Yeah, so. it was good fun, it was good fun. But this is the output from it now. This is where we are now. And podcasting, the great thing was that you think during COVID, we couldn't have done the show because... No, and we'd already moved to the podcast platform by then, which was amazing. Yeah. So we were two years ahead of COVID. Yeah, it's almost as if, again, it's that crystal ball, isn't it? (sighs) Yeah. It's almost as if we knew that something really terrible was going to happen. So, yeah, and, and I've always enjoyed a bit of technology. Sometimes I like it less than others. So it was quite a challenge to work out how to actually do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, you did all of that. In fact, you, you do everything, really. I just turn up and talk for a little while. We use mm-hmm. your office space. We do. Yeah. We do. So um, initially, we, we would produce the podcast in the um, radio station. So what we and if you've listened to the show for four years, you might have noticed the transition because we very much did the podcast as 
sort of cutting up the radio show. Mm. So we talked as if it was a radio show. And it's got a very different feel, hasn't it? Presenting a radio show to a podcast. We we had to train ourselves quite a bit to not be presenterly. And yes. I'm not sure we always get that right. But we try not to come it's across as It's much more of a conversation a now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rather so, than... Yeah, so and we used to chop up the radio show, and, we, and even at the time, we sort of recognised a radio and a show and a podcast are very different. So, mm. is this really working? Mm. And then we started to do the radio show on Zoom, didn't we? Because of um, COVID, and then we just kept it as a podcast, didn't yeah. we? So, um, and we were doing it as a podcast on Zoom for a good while because of COVID, mm. and then as the restrictions um, relaxed. We've come to Heather's beautiful office here in rural Shropshire. Yeah, and you will probably have heard, you know, times when we've had the windows open and there's been motorbikes sailing past or helicopters. Uh, we've had... Uh, the cleaners always come. We've had Puma gates. Yeah. We've had... Um, <laughs> the air, rumbling. Air conditioning gates. We've had <laughs> Rattly desk gates. Heather banging the desk as she makes yes. a point. All yeah. of those, all all of those things. things. Yeah. And... And what's the driving force behind it is that we well we both like talking, mm. but we're we're both lifelong learners as well, aren't we? And I think one one of the things that we really have sort of grasped hold of is that what we got from doing the radio show was it kept us in the loop, kept us fresh, didn't it? You know, we'd have to read the news about business. We'd have to be looking for new material, for books, for TED Talks, for other podcasts. And we'd have to have a look around and see what um, business gurus. We always started off with gurus, didn't we? Now we're sort of like sort of business people, uh, people that had inspired us. And I think we're just genuinely, we're nosy as well. So that helps. Yeah, I, I agree. And and I think also, a bit like the John Lewis thing that we've just talked about, you know, normally you'd just hear, oh, you know, John Lewis to drop in their strap line and you go, oh, okay, fair enough. But then it's like, actually, that's quite a thing to do. And I wonder why they did that and how that must, you know. And, and of course, then we go, actually, that's something we could talk about in the podcast. Yeah. Because hopefully, dear listener, you might have heard that piece of news and just dismissed it. And we've done not a deep dive, but a slightly deeper dive. <laughs> we ducked her head below the yeah, surface yes, of the water. And, and thought, what does that actually mean? And why is that even news? And I think that is what we, we pick up from all the um, discussions at the start of the show. It, it's something we've seen in the news and we go, hmm, I want to know a bit more about yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's always stuff, you know, that we think is interested as well. So hopefully that you do. And then the middle bit... Review. So, me and Heather both like books, don't we? Yeah, we've got quite a lot of books. We we have considerable number of bookcases too, don't we, between <laughs> us? And uh, and a penchant for the actual touchy book, the yes. touchy feely hard yeah. copy book rather than Kindle. However, uh, you know, needs must, and sometimes, sometimes we're budget rigid. dictates yeah. that we need to go Kindle Unlimited. But but also we've been, we know we we like to. Use it as a platform to explore other media as well. So, you know, if it's magazines, libraries, yeah, <laughs> other resources that are available. And it does push us because, you know, sometimes we sit, sat here after we've recorded one podcast and we go, whew, what are we going to talk about next week? Yeah. 
And you're like, oh, what do we do? What do we? And, and there's always something. There's always something in the news. There's always something to review. There's always somebody that's worth digging around about. Uh, and often, so say we might profile somebody and then we might find out that they've written a book or they refer to a book that means a lot to them and then there's... And or they work with somebody happen, or, yeah, it's yeah. sort of all... It all joins together, and that that yeah, that does feel quite good because it's like okay, I wonder what that was that they were talking about, and then lo and behold, hopefully again, if you've heard it and you've thought the same, we've answered that question for you by profiling it or reviewing it or deciding its pants or whatever, it might be. <laughs> or bigging it up. So this is the bit. See, that's exactly what happens, isn't it? Right, we get to the end and we just go, hmm. oh, we're done now. Yeah. yeah, so we need an outro. Yeah, so we need to be saying something like, um, that's all for this week. Thanks very much for listening to Big Business Briefs. Something really formal like that. What do we? <laughs> <laughs> and this is where we fall down. Do we not just have us like laughing as we, as we play the think... exit music? And that is what we've been <laughs> falling back on over the last few months is like, Really don't know what to say. Heather, laugh. 